Welcome to Inspired by Faith, a program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Emily Jaminette, and I'm joined for each program in the studio with my friend Michelle Fanley. This is a show to help you be inspired by your Catholic faith, live out the gospel message, and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope this show provides an uplifting 30 minutes to help refresh your soul and strengthen your faith. As it was born out of our friendship, we hope it encourages you to deepen and develop spiritual friendships with your sisters in Christ. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Emily. It's so great to be back here in the studio coming off conference season. I know. <laughs> it was such an amazing day this past February, and but we are excited to dive into some new topics and bring you more incredible guests that help you inspire your faith. You know, and one thing that's really great, Michelle, is the weather is beautiful outside, and it reminds me of the the hope of Christ, the rebirth, the, the beauty of spring, of Easter, of each season and the opportunity it prevents us or provides us each day to encounter Christ. And I'm I'm very excited about this topic, the importance of, you know, helping those who are struggling with addiction and those who need um, need Christ in a very particular way, a very uh, very monumental way. So today I'm excited about our guest. We have a guest, um, Keaton Douglas. Uh, she is a consultant, educator, counselor, and frequent guest and speaker in the field of addiction and recovery, particularly as it pertains to the interface of Catholic spirituality and recovery. She is the creator and executive director of the I Thirst Initiative, the healing initiative, recovery and spirituality of 12 Step, a mission of the missionary servants of the Most Holy Trinity, a comprehensive program which focuses on the spirituality in the prevention, treatment and aftercare of those suffering from substance use disorders and their families. Keaton is the author of a new book, The Road to Hope, Rediscovering to the Crisis, Responding to the Crisis of Addiction. Well, hello, Keaton, and welcome to the show. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be able to share with you all today. We're so blessed this uh, we are able to join us today. And, you know, we gave you a professional bio, but for those listeners who don't know you or your work yet, can you share a little bit about yourself and your faith journey? Sure, I'd be delighted to. Um, I am originally from New York, and um, I had a, a wonderful traditional Catholic upbringing. Um, but you know what, ladies? I was part of that, probably the first group of folks that were catechized without the Baltimore Catechism. So there were a number of years in there where um, very well-intended folks were, were catechizing us with through a lot of music and, and songs and things of that nature. So I grew up with a devotion to my faith, but not a real intimacy with it. Um, and I went on through uh, Catholic University and uh, got married, had uh, a little boy, and I went on to pursue my lifelong passion, which has always been music. And I was very blessed to have a career in music uh, as a singer and sang all over the world for some really cool gigs. I really uh, I performed for presidential inaugural balls and had an opportunity to work with some of the world's greatest musicians. But I suffered uh, a real brokenness at that time as well, because I suffered the unexpected demise of my first marriage. It was not expected. It was not welcome. And it changed me. And it made me very, very uh, resentful and angry. And I have to admit that I was even angry at God. I felt like I had done everything the right way, and it, things just didn't go. My life was a mess, and I harbored a lot of resentment, and I harbored uh, a lot of very, very bad feelings, and 
that lasted for quite a while. And you know, when you, when you, gosh, it really takes away who you are meant to be, who God created you to be. And uh, I was like that until I had a moment of what I can only call divine intervention, where the Lord provided me with a moment of forgiveness, and I was able to really um, unburden myself from the, those feelings and welcome God back into my life in a much more profound way than I had ever encountered Him. And I was being called back to learn about my faith in a deep and rich manner that I had not yet experienced. So I entered uh, a school of theology at Seton Hall University, uh, and I had the privilege of studying with young men from all over the world who were studying for the Holy Priesthood and with wonderful lay people who were engaging in this encounter, a true encounter with Christ in a profound way. I still didn't know what I was going to do with it, but people saw a difference in me. And they started saying, Keaton, you know, you're a different person than you were four or five years ago. Won't you come and share how, how Jesus has really healed you, how that spiritual healing has really changed you? So I became like the toast of all these sorts of a communion breakfasts and rosary societies for a good long time. And, and finally, I was asked to, uh, to speak in front of 25 women who were in recovery on retreat from heroin addiction. They were inner-city women, and I was terrified. And I said to the fellow who was running it, who became my mentor, I said, what do they want to hear from me? I, I, I've never smoked marijuana. I, I don't know that they will accept me. And he said, do you think that there's nothing that they can learn from you? And I said, I guess there's something. He said, do you think that there's nothing that you can learn from them? And I really was taken aback because I hadn't thought about it. I went in, I shared my story. I laughed, I cried. When I laughed, they laughed. When I cried, they cried. And at the end, we all hugged each other, and there was no judgment. We were just broken people in our brokenness, broken from different things. And they taught me something, ladies, that day. That is the most profound lesson that I have learned, and that is the that mutually wounded, we can be mutually healed. That there's a commonality of our brokenness, that when we let Christ in, He is our saving grace. And it, when I left that day, I had a euphoria. I remember going to Mass the next morning, daily Mass with my parish priest. I said, Father, I felt this euphoria. I went through the whole circumstance with him. He said, Keaton, I think you've been called. I said, called? I said, oh, no, I'm in, I'm in the School of Theology. I, I read all about these call narratives. I'm, I'm just a singer in New Jersey. He said to me words, he said, you know, everybody gets called, but not everybody listens. And that became the beginning of the impetus where I wound up leaving the music industry. Of course, I sing all the time, but now I only sing for our Lord and for those, you know, that I, that I try to bring hope and Christ's love and mercy through music to people as well, incorporating into everything that I do. Um, and, and it began, it was the impetus for the beginning. I wound up taking over that ministry. And I wound up uh, creating the I Thirst Initiative out of it. So it's been a, a most interesting journey. Um, and I try to bring, as you know, I try to bring people home to the church and to the faith and, and to the healing love that only Christ can provide. Well, thank you. Um, Keaton Douglas is our guest today. And we're talking about this initiative, the I Thirst Initiative, and her new book, The Road to Hope Responding to the Crisis of Addiction. You know, Keaton, in the very beginning of the book, you you, you lay out some pretty strong stats about how, what is it, one in five of us have been, imp, you know, inf- affected by addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times um, as Catholics, we can believe that, you know, that won't impact us. But yet, as you even spoke about the falling apart of her of your marriage and right. and um, even your, your spouse taking on a, a whole different life without you, you right. know, in, in the opening of that book, uh, could you maybe share a little bit more about the I thirst and why, what our response should be as Catholics to the addiction crisis from as simple as 
you know, a family member to to the person on the street, you know, asking uh, for money. You know, I'd love your right. your insight to what you see in the work you do. Thank you. So, the I Thirst Initiative, really, I Thirst. We know them as the the, the fifth of the last seven utterances of Jesus on the cross, um, but it's also an acronym. That acronym, the T H I R S T, is the uh, the Healing Initiative, Recovery, Spirituality, and Twelve Steps. And what we do is we have now developed this into a three-pronged program, if you will, of education and prevention, um, of um, working with those in treatment and those who are incarcerated, and also developing aftercare and community programs. Where we see the role of the Church is, is here. Think of this, you know, while there are definitely there are definitely uh, physiological and psychological issues that persons who are dealing with addiction have to, to deal with themselves, the hallmarks of the disease of addiction, those feelings of isolation, those feelings of um, desperation, of shame, and of guilt, they are part of one's spiritual condition. And as such, they require spiritual healing. You know, as Catholics, we know that we are persons of mind, body, and spirit. We are inextricably linked, our body and our souls. And so we are we're at a unique position to really say, listen, we can provide spiritual healing and understanding. What I mean by that is is understanding the nature of the disease of addiction so that we can provide recovery resource information, but also the spiritual consolation. So what we believe is that wherever there are Catholics, wherever we are, whether we are in parishes or schools or chaplaincies, whether we are working in the prison systems or reentry systems, wherever we exist, we can be there to offer what we would call the apostolate of the ear to those that are suffering, uh, to walk with them, to be present with them. You know, sometimes that attentive listening is the thing that will save someone um, and, and do more for them than anything else could. And certainly in terms of the spiritual dimension of wellness, who better than we, the Church, to provide that. But first, we have to be educated in it, and that's what we're doing through both the book and through our Ithers Spiritual Companionship Training Program, which is offered now. Um, it's now an international program of, of studies that we're offering through Seton Hall University that teaches people to go back into their their uh, their communities and to walk with those who are suffering from addictions and their families. It's such a challenging thing. I know you may not think, oh, I don't you know, I don't have anybody in my life. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you find out your friend's daughter is addicted to heroin or, you know, you've got a family member who's, you know, addicted to alcohol and you see their lives falling apart. So what what can we do? You know, when we hear those, you know, it's also oftentimes, you know, something we're like, well, we don't want to touch that. Right. Like, we don't know what to do. Right. You're absolutely right. And I think that this is, you know, when we understand addiction, through the prism of an attachment disorder. So we're, we all have these proclivities towards, uh, towards attachments, right? We get attached to things, uh, prestige, maybe a job, maybe a relationship, that kind of get in our way, muddy our waters, if you will, our spiritual waters. Sometimes those attachments become unnatural. I use that uh, synonymously with addiction. It's like we can wake up and only see the object of our unnatural attachment. And we're all prone to this. You know, St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans in chapter 7, you know, I'm paraphrasing, says, why do I do what I don't want to do? You know, why do I do those things? We know that he was tortured with by a compulsion to do something that he did not want to do. What was? Ladies, we don't know, which is a good thing, because we can relate to it. So I think all of us 
you know, understand that we are all prone to these unnatural attachments, and it could be any one of us. So just because somebody doesn't have a substance use disorder doesn't mean that they're not unnaturally attached to shopping or, or to and all sorts of things to which an attachment is just something that gets in our way of developing an intimacy with God. So we ask ourselves, is that overcommitment? Is that just being distracted? Is that, you know, having too much anxiety and worry? So when we encounter this, what we want to do, first of all, is to love people, particularly those that suffer from substance use disorders, to love them with Christ's love and mercy. Because it's very easy to discard somebody, especially when their behavior is repugnant to us, right? And yet we are called upon as Christians to be the Good Samaritan in the story, not the priest and the Levite that pass by the person who's bloodied. We're called upon to, to, to walk out to those who are, who are suffering and to be present for them, to walk with them. And to do so means to speak about it in our churches. It means to have healing services. It means to have include those who are suffering from all sorts of addictions and their families in the prayers of the faithful. There are simple things that we can do today, and there are much more complicated things that we can get into once we have people trained in the parishes to really walk, because we're either part of the problem or we're part of the solution. And in this case, with 100 million Americans, either directly or indirectly, uh, affected by this disease every day, gosh, it's a problem in every parish. It's a problem in every school, in every community, and almost in every family. So we all have to be part of this solution, welcoming people, speaking about it, taking it uh, from, sweeping it from underneath where we have placed it to out into the open, to realize that we all are suffering from something. To be addicted is part of human nature, as Father Richard Rohr would, would talk about in Breathing Underwater. So to bring it to the forefront, to love people with Christ's love and mercy, and to see beyond what our own fears are. Um, Keaton, could you maybe clarify, you know, what is the word addiction? Like, what exactly are we talking about? Is that a compulsive response to something, or is there yeah. free will, you know, engaged with addiction? Maybe you could um, sure, share even, you know, what you've seen in, in the work that you do. Yes, absolutely. You know, when I speak of addiction, I I speak of it through the prism of the work of Dr. Gerald G. May, who was a a renowned psychiatrist who spent his life talking about the interface of spirituality and addiction and recovery. And his uh, words are that it is is an unnatural attachment to a person or to a, a behavior or to a substance that really precludes us from developing an intimacy with our spiritual lives, with our fellows, and even with ourselves. When I think about it, I say to myself, it really it gets in our way. It disavows, helps us disavow those two great commandments, to love God beyond all things and to love our, our brothers and sisters as we love ourselves. We're incapable of doing that. We literally give up our free will and become enslaved to it. In fact, the word attachment in French, attaché, means to be enslaved, to be nailed to something. So it's, a, it's, a, it's something that uh, can be a learned behavior. Oftentimes it's a response um, to try to assuage a pain, perhaps from childhood trauma, abuse, um, from just feeling like a square peg in a round hole. But it really, when we become so unnaturally attached to it, there are physiological components. The brain is hijacked, literally. So that's why people can't turn this on and off like a light switch. You know, that's a question I get a lot of times. Well, if you loved, 
if he loved his family so much, why can't he just stop? Well, because there are physio- mitigating physiological and psychological factors that, that, that are in there. So the more that we understand this as mind, body, and spirit, the more we can reach out to all who are suffering and even look inward to see the face of Christ, not only in them, but in ourselves and to see a brokenness we all share. You're listening to Inspired by Faith, the program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm here in studio with my friend, Michelle Fanley. My name is Emily Chaminette, and we're speaking to Keaton Douglas about her new book, The Road to Hope, Responding to the Crisis of Addiction. So Keaton, can you tell us, so what is The Road to Hope? And if you've got any great success stories, we'd love to hear one. Oh, I have so many success stories. That's the great blessing. And the road to hope is really a metaphor for when we're able to, to turn back from the, the abyss of addiction towards the light and love of our faith. And that really is what we call that road to hope. It's recovery. It's true recovery. And it's a journey of transformation. Because as we journey to find our authentic selves, we get to who we are, and then we find a relationship with our God. It's really quite beautiful. I've got you know, in the book, each chapter starts with a little story uh, about somebody, and these are beautiful personal accounts from people that we've worked with um, that have great success stories, one of which is my, my dearest friend, who's really become one of my closest friends in the world, James. And it was he, see, for 15 years, in and out of the train station there, addicted, miserably addicted to, to heroin. Um, getting addicted at 28 years old, ladies, after he went for a tooth pull and was given Vicodin extra strength. Uh, It just spiraled him down. Of course, there were other issues in his life, and all of a sudden he realized that those other issues he didn't have to deal with anymore. He felt no pain. He numbed himself with that agent, and it caused him to live a life where he was disenfranchised from his family and whatnot. And he had, after 15 years, when he just couldn't do it anymore, he was angry, he was in a jail cell, and he said he was angry at God and at, at Satan for neither one wanting him. He was discarded. He didn't know where he belonged. And he said he really felt the hand of God on him. And he said, if this is what you want me to do, I need you to help me. And he said from that moment, seven years ago, he never picked up another mood-altering drug or alcohol. And um, he has begun this most glorious journey back to our faith. He was baptized into the faith again. Um, he had never been baptized, so it was his first time as an adult. He has been brought into uh, the faith. Um, he is a wonderful speaker. He works in the field now, shepherding others um, to that on that road of hope, road to hope that he shepherds them, he walks with them, and he speaks to them quite frankly about the spiritual dimension of wellness that is so often you know neglected for various reasons in the clinical settings. Right? They're not able to speak about it for fear of proselytizing or whatnot. So it's really incumbent for us as Catholics, but then other faith communities as well, to get involved so that we can walk with folks and help them develop the spiritual dimension of wellness that is absolutely necessary for long-term sustained recovery, but even more importantly, for their joy and serenity and an abundant life that is only available through God. Well, Keaton, I I appreciate that story. And even um, earlier when you shared the importance of listening, you know, to to hearing someone empathetically, their story... Do you have any other words? I'm really thinking about the the family members, right? Who a lot Mm -hmm. of times pick up the broken glass, pick up the pieces. And, you know, maybe how the the first step to to healing those relationships or to being able for them to experience the hope after, um, you know, after addiction uh, impacts a family. 
Yeah, and it's so impactful for families, right? Because, you know, I understand that I've walked with so many individuals and family members of those that are suffering from addictions, and it, it probably is the hardest place to be, especially as a parent, you know, who looks on at their child and you heal every boo-boo, you bring them their lunches when they forget it, and now the, the child is there and you're desperate to save them, to right the family boat, as it were, that's rocking unsteadily on the seas, as it were, and you can't do anything because they're not willing to do it yet. They're not available to you, and that is just devastating. So what we always say, we listen, we listen, we walk with our family members. We encourage them into community. That's such an important thing because just as the person suffering from the disease of addiction requires community because they've been isolated, right? They need connection, which is why the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous are so important to people that are trying to to, to journey on that road to hope. So we want their family members to also find connection. And sometimes that's through us working with spiritual companions or working with people that, that are, or various ministries at churches, but also to join the fellowships of either Al-Anon or Naranon or the adult children of alcoholics, etc. There's a lot of support out there, which is very much needed, not to, to navigate these, uh, these, chart, these uncharted waters by themselves, but to walk with somebody, to share with somebody, and in fact, to do the 12-step program themselves. You know, the 12-step program, um, for your listeners who aren't familiar with it, you know, was founded by the founders of, uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith. But the 12 steps are born out of sacred scripture. They're born out of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. They are born out of 1 Corinthians 13, and they are born out of uh, St. James' uh, letter. Um, and it's just marvelous to see how they build upon each other spiritually, how they develop the spiritual tools that an individual needs. And quite frankly, I think we all need to work them. <laughs> There's like a spiritual self-examine, right? So akin to the Ignatian spiritual exercises or or even to, to reading St. Teresa of Avila and her interior castle, and just kind of sweeping away all the garbage from those exterior rooms until we find the indwelling within us. So um, family members should be encouraged to be in community, to be able to share what they are going through. And I often think about, you know, we talk about Nehemiah, you know, one of the Old, prophet, Old Testament prophets. You know, and his whole story is about rebuilding from the rubble. And sometimes we look upon families and we say, gosh, there's a lot of rubble. But there can be rebuilding. Do we, do we face these crises like Nehemiah did? Do we persevere in prayer? Those are some of the things that we talk about, and also to get people to, to start praying in community for their loved ones. It's very important. Healing masses or masses of recovery that individual parishes could put on is a very, very healing way for, for families that often feel that they can't do anything to be able to do something in community. And, and certainly through prayer in our Catholic faith, uh, it can be quite beautiful. Now, Keaton, um, who needs to have your book, and where can they find it? Okay, great. So, you know, certainly I think that those whose lives have been affected by the disease of addiction, whatever that addiction might be, pornography, gambling, etc., they would certainly need it. Anybody whose life has not been affected by the disease of addiction also needs to have it because they need to be part of the solution. We are all called upon to love those like the Good Samaritan, Go do likewise to be neighbors to those who are bloodied in the street. 
to be like St. Francis kissing the leper. We need to see the face of Christ in those and figure out how to do it, especially if it makes us uncomfortable. So even people who have not been affected by it, I, I would say need to read it to be part of the solution. That's what we're called to be. I would love to see every parish have a copy of it so that our pastors and our pastoral care associates and our parochial vicars become familiar with the disease of addiction and have some good explanation and some good tools available, ready for themselves, so they can start speaking uh, to those who are suffering or their family members with, with some knowledge of the disease. I would say that they're the ministers of Respect Life bereavement groups. Certainly there are so many that we lose, uh, and, and families are often turned away, or, or turned off, I should say, to, to involving themselves in bereavement, because there's a stigma, there's a societal stigma that is associated with the death by overdose. Um, that, that a lot of people don't seek out counseling for them. You know, so kind of putting the word out there, starting conversations. So that makes me feel that everybody is, is apt to be able to read this book, you know. And, and, and again, to, be, to recognize ourselves, our own brokenness, to not to dispel the myth of the other, that people that are suffering from addictions are no different than we. They have been broken. That's what I found out that first day, talking to those women. That my life was broken through adultery, theirs was broken through addiction, and we had so much more in common because of that than we didn't. And I was there ready to help them, and it's what, it's what gives me uh, an opportunity to go even now to work in, in detox and treatment facilities and to just to love people with Christ's love and mercy and, and to watch them bloom and grow. They are truly thirsting for, for that kind of love, and it's something we can all provide. And they can get your book at Our, our Sunday Visitor? Sure, they can get it at our Sunday Visitor Catholic Bookstore uh, online. They can get it at Amazon. Wherever good books are sold, Barnes & Noble, they can certainly get it. I know that we're a little bit on back order at OSV right now. We actually actually sold out before the release date. So that's the best thing. I know. Isn't it something like... But it's a a response to to really how, how everyone out there is really affected by this. You know, this is not a niche book. This is a book that's meant... For everyone, so I know Amazon is still in stock. People are interested, you know, right now. So I appreciate that so very much. Well, Keaton, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time that you spent. And you know, Michelle, with this podcast being, you know, focused on inspired by faith, we want to inspire our listeners to hear how the faith has impacted other people's lives and the good that we can all do. Right? This is a great example of that. That you know, taking in finding the joy that she received and, and, you know, doing ministry in the prison and then going and, and literally making this her life, her life mission. So I'm just, thank you, Keaton. Really, really enjoyed having you. God (laughs) bless. Thank you both. Thank you both so very much. Blessings of the season to everybody. And just remember God calls everybody. It's up to us to listen. And he also has a great sense of humor. I found out. So thank you so much for this opportunity to share and God bless you both. Thank you for joining us. Anyway, well, let's close in prayer here. Great. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of mercy, we bless you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who ministered to all who came to him. Give your strength to all those who struggle with addiction and substance abuse. Enfold them in your love and restore them to the freedom of God's children. Look with compassion on all those who have lost their health and freedom. Restore to them the assurance of your unfailing mercy and strengthen them in the work of recovery. Grant patient understanding and the love of perseverance to those who care for them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for enjoying us at Inspired by Faith. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by this episode. To find out more about the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, visit columbuscatholicwomen.com. To hear more about our work, please visit inspirethefaith.com.